2: What form is that? That's the second time it's gone off.
3: They never go home, they never go home, they never go, go home, those, those boys. The second captain's
0: world service.
1: Said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that,
3: can't you? Yes, good lad. So he's almost like having a second captain in the (laughs) team. Second captain, first captain, whatever.
4: A hemisphere is hurting this Monday afternoon. (laughs) The northern hemisphere. Mm -hmm. For so long, the whipping boys of the Rugby World Cup. This was to be the year when the men from the north swept through en masse into the semi-finals they should have been celebrating from Balaná to Beijing from Alaska to Alsace from Ornmore to Ulaanbaatar <laughs> <laughs> but you've got to hold your hands up and say we were beaten by the better hemisphere over ah, the we weekend were. all of were. us except England of course Steve Borthwick's shite England team now stand as our only hope of salvaging some inter-hemispherial respectability <laughs> over the final two weeks of this competition welcome to Monday Second Captain's podcast hey fellas hey, yeah. to Ulaanbaatar um, Nicely played Well you fed that one to me
5: I, You didn't have to say it on <laughs> <laughs> I was more than happy To like, give you the credit For that one Although the Oren Moore Might have very I, I, well. I just thought
4: Murph Was a bit idle this morning So I gave him a very vague brief Murph, Come up with some silly names From the Northern Hemisphere <laughs> so, I know it's a broad one But I anyway, know the pain of this Entire Hemisphere Perhaps too much to take on It's too big a problem For us to tackle In one podcast episode So I think we'll focus Most of our angst On Ireland's elimination By New Zealand On Saturday night Simon you were there I How was. are you feeling about things A couple of days on
2: uh, I feel worse. Do you? I feel worse. Why? The reality of thinking and talking about it for another four years and every single game being through the prism of what might happen in a World Cup quarterfinal, what happened in previous World Cup quarterfinals is kind of hitting me today. On the night, I actually thought Ireland played a little bit better. And then when I watched it back, they made quite a lot of errors. They started horrendously. And the feeling from that point on, when they went 13 points down, I thought everything was chasing that tactically physically structurally psychologically clearly and it just shaped the whole game and it played out even in those last few moments where I thought we looked absolutely shattered like Sexton was taking it so stout. like if that was other out halves doing what Sexton did in those final phases it did get us up the pitch but as Ian Foster said afterwards we were just waiting for a moment we weren't Worried about them making a little bit of ground out wide or through the phases. We were just waiting for the right rook to pounce as Whitelock did.
4: That was almost exhaustion at that point, though, wasn't it? The game plans are out the window, all the attacking. Play- yeah. you know, Mike cat has gotten a lot of praise in recent times. There was no real attacking structure yeah. to that. It was just advance the ball up as much as you can. And if Obviously, everyone's saying that if Sexton hadn't missed his penalty a bit earlier, that stuff would have all been fine because he mm. would have been giving him a shot, maybe a 40, 50 yarder, to yeah. win a World Cup quarter final and it would have backed him to do that. But yeah. that wasn't the case.
2: The mall is the one. Flashing before my eyes repeatedly. It's just that was held up. I just felt, yeah, the Keller one it re- really had them at that stage our our bench our forwards were well on top particularly in the ball the previous model resulted in a penalty try Wayne Barnes wanted to give us a try or a penalty try in that moment at worst we form another rook or the mall slows a little bit and we suck plenty of New Zealanders in I felt it was almost the only option to not score points at that stage was to break away and it still should have been a try you should still kind of wriggle out or manoeuvre yourself out It was t- kind of two forwards against one back that one and more than the sexton miss kick the sexton chip ah oh, there was there was loads of moments but i felt the more was when we really had them we had the momentum it was the moment.
4: Somebody calling themselves True Rugby Man has emailed in.
3: I've got a call
5: here says, You're the most boring, predictable, condescending interviewer around. Go back to lecturing. You have the charisma of a sick back. Oh, God. That's just it. I just mentioned, not you, no me.
0: Okay, ain't nobody f- with my click, 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 click. Ain't nobody fresh in my mom. We don't
5: normally my broadcast click, all the, the stuff click, that comes from scum click, around the country. Click.
4: Time for the real journalists to stand up, says True Rugby Man. Hi lads, no doubt GT Simon Shag will be on message today. Bit of familiarity Mm -hmm. there. Great game of rugby, a vintage New Zealand performance. We were the bounce of ball away from a final. These players to a man are world class. We must worship them. Andy Farrell is the complete package, etc. Let's have an honest discussion. It was a poor New Zealand team highlighted by the two incredibly soft tries they conceded in the first half. Ireland didn't turn up and still should have won. Despite 17 wins in a row we still lack belief. The selection of O'Mahony and Henderson is highly questionable. Ireland had a six-man pack. McCarthy should have been in. France against South Africa proved that we are not the number one team in the world. Both would smash us. Ireland couldn't match that power and pace. South Africa should have beaten us in the pool and Roney in second gear compared to last night. True rugby man. Not happy.
2: Mm. Poor New Zealand team. No, they're just one of the weaker New Zealand teams there's been over the last century or so, which still has them in the top two or three teams in the world. It's just all relative to previous uh, regimes so Ireland it's probably our best ever still. It's one of New Zealand weakers weaker teams, but they still a
4: beatable New Zealand team though is, beatable. Is oh, to- oh, totally like it's yeah. another one we uh, that they, they all feel different. I don't think for some reason the one that really sticks in my craw more than any is that Wales one in 2011 I don't know why we had that we have that weird superiority complex over Wales no matter how many times they yeah, yeah, so we yeah. we Certain be periods, periods. Yeah. and
2: we didn't change our tactics and at all and we didn't do anything yeah, yeah. in that
4: game they shut us down it was just horrible absolutely horrible at least there were moments to get excited about at the weekend yeah and I know we It's, a, well it's to a, stick
2: in it. oddly it's our best I, modern quarterfinal I, performance I do think
4: if, like, if we got 13-0 down in any other World Cup against New Zealand we yeah. probably would have lost by 30
2: points
5: oh. so. well that was that was the fear that like that it, you know whatever about anything else that if New Zealand go and beat us by 30 points or 40 points which could have happened and like would have happened against any other Irish team then literally Irish rugby is like a worldwide global laughing stock like as it turned as the way the game turned out it was kind of similar to last night's. in that there are four brilliant teams in in the Rugby World Cup we are probably the four we are we are definitely the fourth best team of those four teams and that's that's all we found out this quarter. I don't this, feel that much better about it, though. Yeah. If that
4: was the point I was going to make, it's it's different. It's not it's not a humiliating exit or anything like that. It's yeah. not embarrassing. I don't think it's a choke or a bottle job. No. And yet we still have a winnable game in a quarterfinal yeah. work-up we just don't, that we failed to win. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, like, and
2: look at how many players they got 10 out of 10s from. You know, New the Lexington Kane and Savea and yeah, back Bowden Barrett. And we didn't get any. I thought our best players were, were Bundy. Again yeah, by a mile. Yeah, yeah, um, that, that was an amazing. Hansen was team, very creative yeah. when he was on. Yeah. Um, our front five very very quiet. Bench were improved it significantly. Henderson and Ty Byrne and Omani especially quiet.
4: Well, our back row wasn't great either. Van no. Flair was gone early. Kaylen Doris didn't have a great game. Yeah, at I mean, least
2: Doris yeah. did carry a few times. But that's yeah. you know a loan of bar back, for got not for back a few times as well. Yeah, I thought we yeah.
4: were we were almost shocked by their physicality earlier the yeah other. I yeah. think
5: we were and that's the one thing we should not have been Jesus like you know what I mean like the idea that New Zealand were going to rock up and be like a little unsure of themselves <laughs> or we're going to play within themselves like we were going to get both barrels like that's you know that mm. was just a, like a plain fact yeah. but I mean like I did find it you know uh, you know Vander Fleer was getting interviewed after the game on Virgin and he was like you know this loss won't define us I mean I'm like I'm sorry this, Oh it absolutely does define This it, yeah. loss does define Everyone involved Like not just like This team Or you know like mm. the, Well the team is now gone You know it do, We don't have Johnny anymore And that's like <laughs> You know A gigantic Major problem You know um, And that Like that's what hurts About this as well Is that You know We don't want to be doing An awful lot right To rock up to a World Cup With a better team Than this one And we still didn't get past the He
2: mentions Farrell there. He's not the complete package because there's no such thing. But in terms of personality, the tactical game plan, buy-in from the players, we'll do really well to get a coach who does as well as he
4: does. I do still feel, and I know what you're saying, everything is seen through the prism of what's going to happen in four years. I would still prefer to win another Grand Slam in the intervening period, like we did this year. I don't think it's a bad way to go no, into the World As Mark Cup. Has said a
2: million times, what you do up to it is irrelevant. You might as well win your slams in the meantime anyway. Of
5: course. I mean, it, it, this World Cup again proves it. You know, mm. like, play your best team. as, yes. Like, you know what I mean? Win the pool. Like, you, there's only so much you can do. You're going to pick up injuries. This idea that you have to work in cycles, just so daft. I mean, it matters. The stuff that matters in between Rugby World Cups absolutely matters. Like, November international wins against New Zealand are... Still great and worth fighting for, yeah. and also worth celebrating. That doesn't take away from the fact that you know, there were eight teams that reached a quarterfinal, we'd have hammered three of them, you know, and we weren't as good as as three more, you know, and like that. And we would hammer four, four, like four of the quarterfinalists, and we would have lost to three of the other ones, and we drew three of the other ones, and therefore, this non stop like conversation keeps happening about, you know. The joke job butlers all the, like beating New Zealand in a Rugby World Cup quarter final was going to be difficult. Like no mm. shit, you know. Yeah. Like course. obviously it was going to be difficult.
2: Why we don't get enough of our players playing a ten out of ten at that moment is still the key question. That's the There's match still you have to do it in. That's yeah. that's yeah. the one.
4: Well, you obviously have to. Yeah, you obviously have to beat Scotland, but you can do that without being yeah. a ten out of ten.
2: And people who say we aren't playing our history as much as we're playing the current World Cup are wrong, I think, because even our selection in the pool games kind of spoke to our history. We just were so worried about not even getting out of the group. Murph said it before the Scotland game, why aren't we rotating more players? And at the time I was like, no, we desperately just need to get out of our pool. But that was coming from sort of that negative mindset of yeah. Scotland might catch us out. We're so much better than Scotland. And we, it's like we we panic and we kind of shrink into ourselves a little bit and just think a bit more negatively. Whereas we could have rested more players against Scotland and still come through. And I, I didn't think we were as fresh as New Zealand. Like losing... The Rook was a technical thing, but it was an energy thing. New Zealand were like frenzied going to Rooks, and we were, say even the very last one, the Whitelock turnover. Joe McCarthy wasn't on the pitch that long, is very young, goes in a bit slow, a bit high and just didn't wasn't at the races compared to Whitelock.
4: Can we just slag off the Scots again? I know fun. that was, I was a lot away, of fun. I was off for, right. for that podcast. Kind of, yeah, you've you've of,
5: all you've done is just come in for the tail end just a really depressing
6: tail
2: no, end. Oh, I really, mm. really thought Sorry. things would be different today.
4: it would be one of the more joyous. Okay. Can, no, I make, I, can I make one more yeah, point?
2: Yeah, Sorry yeah, about yeah. It. just uh, all the points. The weighting of importance in a quarterfinal players who can react. In moments to, you know, bouncing ball, uh, being caught, trapped in their own 22, in contact, not panicking. New Zealand are still a good bit ahead of us in those moments of, whoa, things are gone madcap here. And they're more likely to go madcap in a quarterfinal than, you know, most other games, mm-hmm. such as semi-final and a final. And if you have more of those players in your team, the likes of Bodenbart, he, he, New Zealand almost loved it. Like there's quite a few passes that went along the ground. And it looks for a second like Ireland might have an advantage. It actually became an advantage to New Zealand when things broke up like that. And there's more broken up play in a quarterfinal than other games you play between World Cups.
4: Well, that's his gated football background. Of course. <laughs> Both Barrett. <didn't laughs> yeah. been me for a year and a half. Uh,
5: I've, the funny, you know, I was reading a piece by Gordon Manning in the Times. Yes, it's very good. Saturday morning, really good. I was like, how come I haven't heard this? Maybe I'd heard it before and forgotten it. Mean, I've, I've heard good it mentioned that he was, yeah, but he, no, proper, proper yeah, stinks there. Like back there their their a couple kids. of years ago. Yeah, yeah. Like went to the National School. Mm-hmm. Bloody hell
4: Yeah, well, So it's a victory for us yeah. Really in a lot of ways bo- It's uh, a victory Barbara. for Gaelic football Shane Horgan, Murray Kinsler, And our friend in New Zealand Scotty Stevenson Are on the show today We could just some post-match reaction now Simon speaking to Friend of the show Jack Conan
7: yeah, Look we, we thought We were going to be the team to do it We thought We'd push on And do what no, our Irish team Has ever done before and To fall short of that is uh, Just Heartbreaking Yeah um, we did. Uh, the Johnny deserved more for everything he's given. You know, in my eyes, he's the greatest Irish player of all time, and uh, probably people will dispute it. But if you know the man, you've, you've played with him. I, I, don't think you could. Um, it's been the best five, six weeks of my life. Um, it really has. The crack we've had as a group, um, uh, on and off the pitch, has been unbelievable, and it just it doesn't feel right that. We, we we couldn't push on and um, like it's tough because this group will never be this group again. You know, there'll be there'll be Six Nations in a few months, but it won't be this group. And it's it's the, the greatest group of lads I've I've ever had the pleasure of playing with. Um, yeah, it's like the thought of going home is just I, I can't even think about it. Like I just it's like. It feels like the end of the year, do you know what I mean? It feels like, I know there's there's other tests back home with lens and stuff like that, but for now it's just to not wake up and go downstairs and have breakfast with the lads and um, sit in the team room and play FIFA or uh, whatever crazy car game we were playing and go up to Bundy's room in the evening and sit there and have cups of tea and... and, um, not hanging with the lads and, and, and go from being around 24-7 for four or five weeks and working hard together and joining this company to then just going home and not seeing them. I think it's, that's just, I can't, the thought of that is, is so hard to take, you know, and um, I'm going to miss the lads so much. And um, that's probably the thing I'm good at most about, it's just not being with the squad anymore. because It'll never be the same. Um, what moments from the game are lingering with
2: you, Jack, or, or is it's a bit of a blank
7: uh, look, obviously the score off that four man. We get away a few silly penalties. Um, the held up try, which is massive. You know, no one's fault. Um, the incredible D boy. I think it was uh, Jory Barry or Bowden Barrett It was you know they don't believe well to hold that up. But like that's that's the ball game, isn't it? Like you, we get that down, we're up, and then um, it changed the last few minutes. So yeah. Like there's, there's, there's a lot more it's all a bit of a blurry they're, they're just the, the, the few things in, at the forefront of my mind in, the, in the, kind of the, the, the latter stages of the game when I was on so um, yeah that's probably what's what's, what's, what's uh, I'm thinking about at the moment
2: Do you feel like the team played well? Do you have any regrets about anything you've done or is it too close to the game?
7: No I've absolutely no regrets um, I think it would be a disservice to stand here right now and say I have a regret or anyone has a regret I think you cannot fault the effort from the the lads, the staff, um, the, everyone. Um, I there's no regrets. Oh, look, we lost the game. It's it, it's it's heartbreaking, and uh, we, in a, maybe a different a different day, we don't lose. But I, I don't think you can stand here and say you have regrets. Um, there's been too much good over the last four years. Too many firsts. Too many opportunities taken. Um, that to, to stand here and, and and say those regrets would be a massive disservice to the effort that's been put in by, by everyone.
4: I think I should have described that in an interview with the emotional Jack Conan before mm. playing it there. That was you could just hear his voice breaking. Repeating, mm. yeah. I guess he that, that well, was very yeah really well. That was I presume quite clear face to face the emotion in in him and others.
2: Oh, totally, oh man he was the same. Um, and our emailer there mentioned belief with 70 wins. They're always still didn't have belief. I actually think they did. I think. Coming back from 13 down, coming back from quite a few knockbacks, showed they had belief. They had nerves, which is a slightly different thing, and those nerves actually dissipated. It's just they were chasing the 13-0 deficit. Mm-hmm. They were in shock at the fact that they'd lost, which hasn't happened in an Irish team before in a quarterfinal. They've kind of gone home and gone, well, that was sort of part of our destiny, maybe somewhere in the back of their heads. They really, really believed so that's why it's even more of a joke. And the
4: tournament never really happened for Jack Conan either. Was, he was constantly chasing mm. it. He's injured coming in and yep. he was slow enough to get going. And eventually, you know, he came yeah. off the bench a couple of times. Yeah. Got some the bench time. is
2: another issue there. I thought Conan was very good when he came on. If James Ryan had been fit, I absolutely certainly would have come on sooner because I thought both our second rows were were flat. Um, Jimmy O'Brien, when he came on, was very good. Yeah. I thought Furlong could have gone off even earlier. I thought Porter... You know he's so fit, he's so athletic, but seventy-five minutes as well. I just we we generally didn't trust our bench. Maybe maybe not enough of them had done enough to prove to Farrell they could do the job. But Crowley not coming at all. Sexton was walking by the end. You just wonder, was that a factor as well? Yeah,
4: well, I've noticed that Ken is quiet today. Very quiet so far. But that
2: may be because
4: his alter ego was doing a lot of talking <laughs> pre-match. <laughs> we sent... Dear, yes, Murph, oh dear, oh dear. What we, have you done? We again? sent Ireland... It wasn't him. We sent Ireland's most outspoken rugby pundit, Ken Burley, onto New Zealand radio to put the frighteners up All Black's legend Israel Dag on his show. <laughs> Sorry, what? Yeah. Ken
3: and Izzy.
2: 60-odd caps, The
4: bars and Izzy for breakfast. Is that the name of the show? Uh, Kemp, I- right?
3: Izzy and Campy. Uh, Tony Camp.
4: Izzy and Campy for breakfast. Well, let's let's hear what the New Zealand listeners hear.
3: We're catching up with rugby and becoming a, a really, really good at this sport, just as it's dying in the rest of the world. So, I mean, in New Zealand, obviously, you guys have really fallen off. I don't know what it is. I'm sure there's lots of theories. Was it Jacinda? Did Jacinda do this?
2: <laughs> uh,
0: did she, oh, she,
3: you're on she a hater today. You're bringing
2: madness? everything in. <laughs> Bye, you, you, Was, you're in politics. Her, you know?
3: <laughs> Australia. We know. We we know that Australia are, are gone. I mean, the sport is gone in Australia. You know, they've got. Is rugby, that you, Eddie? Football. It's just, we we can see Argentina <laughs> now. What's happening? Wales, not much. You saw the state of Scotland last last uh, week. Uh, England. I mean, the the English the English uh, you know Premier Premiership. Is a is a financial uh, basket case. You know, it's like uh, it's like the League of Ireland. So, uh, so we're kind of the last men standing here. Us and and uh, France or Vichy France, and uh, and really, I guess that's destiny is probably going to bring us together. I mean, that's that's really the two remaining rugby nations. Uh, I got to really contest this, and I don't include New Zealand as one of those nations.
4: I'm just waiting for Izzy Dagg to correct Ken and say, "Well, actually, Ken, the League of Ireland has a bit of a had a resurgence." Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah.
5: No, I mean, sure. I mean, it's it's coming from kind of a. You know, I'm not too sure whether it's football based, maybe it's kind of a middle class gentrification. <laughs> I mean, Izzy didn't get to that though. He didn't he didn't actually. Neil get is that an right.
4: Irishman writing from New Zealand. Ken you might be onto something is Jacinda. Right. Uh, Saturday was the New Zealand general election where the Labour government were completely decimated by a right wing coalition ushering in the most right wing government in New Zealand since the early nineties. The all blacks' best periods in the last three decades have all taken place with the right in government, and their chokes and failures in two thousand three and two thousand seven occurred under Helen Clark's Labour government. Now some will say the nineteen eighty seven World Cup win took place with the fourth Labour government in power but that ignores the fact this government undertook the radical neoliberalisation of the New Zealand economy transforming it from one of the most state-controlled economies in the Western world to a free-market dog dystopia or utopia for venture capitalists and the like. The transformation was so huge the economists described that Labour, go- Labour government as out-thatchering Thatcher. So while your brilliant rugby panellists analysed all the ways the game will be won or lost none of you looked at the polls for the election which showed that the right were on course for a landslide victory and as soon as this result was confirmed on Saturday night I knew we stood no chance against the All Blacks <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Liam
3: The first question in the press conference to Ian Foster was the, the guy mentioned even the Labour yeah. voters are happy he, you don't know how happy you've, you probably don't know how happy you've made everyone in the country even the Labour supporters are
2: happy All right. That guy clapped the team in or clap the coach in and out of the presser but he's the only person in a room of 200 people (laughs) Wow
4: (laughs) Glad they gave him the microphone first as well More from the Ken and Izzy Dag dynamic on New Zealand radio you spoke about the grace with which we would win the game compared to how we were shabbily treated by the All Blacks in 2019
3: I I don't know if we set out to dismantle and embarrass them I mean it it means it means too much to New Zealand to treat them in that way Uh, I'd like to think Ireland would handle the occasion with more sensitivity than that you know, to really rub, our, rub the, the beaten side's noses in, as happened last time in 2019, uh, I, I, I thought it was a bit unsporting. I thought it showed a nasty side to, to New Zealand. <laughs> and I'd like to think Ireland will be able to will be able to do this with a bit more dignity than New Zealand managed in Japan.
4: Can, Can you elaborate on that? What was it? What was it, man?
3: Well, what was it? Like, I mean, uh, and the game was, uh, as I recall, the game, it was over after about six minutes. And uh, New Zealand just kept sort of piling on points, I mean, in a, in a fairly ungentlemanly manner. Uh, you know, I thought, I thought it was a bit much.
4: <laughs> oh, I, I can't hear what you said.
3: Have they asked you back on in the aftermath? Yeah, I've been back on, yeah. You've been back oh, on? Oh, for God's sake. Yeah, I had to go back on. You
4: were big enough. How did you get on with Izzy second go around?
3: Well. Gave
4: you a hard time, didn't they?
3: They did Owen. They, they tried to give <laughs> they tried to give me a hard time
4: did you uh, did, did I should say did Ken Burley just maintain his obnoxious attitude even in defeat
3: I pointed out a few issues <laughs> <laughs> uh, you you have have learn to respect us i I pointed out a few a few issues a few few issues I had with the game, you know uh i mean I, fundamentally the thing the reason that they they couldn't touch me is that i don't really care that much <laughs> but I did feel sorry for the team, and I don't. I don't think it was a. I mean, it, as he said, it wasn't a, a bottle job or anything like that. It really wasn't. Like it's just you just played against a good team and and lost by a narrow margin. It's just the thing that.
2: I, it's, yeah, it's, we, it's, we, had the, it, we hadn't had the previous nine yeah, World Cups. Yeah, la- it's layered onto history. If, exactly. we were, if
4: we were the two-time defending world champions or something, and you lose in those situations, yeah, situations, it's, it's a different dynamic. But yeah. it, it's and it's also the fact that because the draw was so heavily weighted against us getting through the quarters this time we everyone was aware if we had done it now I don't know Argentina that would be a re- you, you could I could see a scenario where that could trip us up it has done in the past but we were looking at a path into the final there you know and yeah. then mm-hmm. peti- oh, listen to that one. you are really confident I think <laughs> but the but the, <laughs> the, dag, the, the, right. yeah,
3: the way though that uh, um, it, that New Zealand played I mean tells you story you know it was they, they were it was a very defensive very kind of craft you know it was like i mean the last time we played new zealand world cup it was like you know when leonardo dicaprio gets mauled by the bear in the <laughs> revenant like that's that's what it yeah, was that like. was the
5: treatment that was meted out to yeah. us on that particular we, occasion we were kind of one
3: eye hanging out like we're kind of crawling away through the campfire but <laughs> this you know the saturday night was more like being slowly poisoned by a wicked old woman mm. it was like <laughs> Using all the all the dark Raft, arts, God. yeah, you know, hanging right. hanging to the ball, wasting time, you know, um, just stinging you on set pieces, you know, real kind of, just sort of. What well, I, I thought Ireland were the better team, like Ireland were were doing all the running and you know all played on all all the exciting stuff, but New Zealand just um, they kind of reverted to, to some pretty nasty stuff.
4: You're not on New Zealand radio now, Ken. Okay? You're not going to get. You're not going to get a rise out of us <laughs> on that one. We're just going
5: to nod and agree with you. <laughs> yeah, fair.
4: I, I wanted nothing more to do with the World Cup after Saturday night, but then Sunday came along and France and South Africa happened. It was just so wild that you couldn't help but.
2: Hey, England Fiji Sunday. was pretty good as well. England Fiji
4: was really good as well. Yeah, um, but like the France and Africa game was yeah. just.
2: It might have been the best uh, weekend of rugby ever. It's totally, even Wales Argentina was gripping.
4: Yeah, it was even more mad. You're talking about madcap and things happening at a fast pace. I thought that was even more in evidence in oh, the France yeah. and Africa. And some players, it's mad, like terrible stuff. You're talking yep. about reacting under pressure. Jalabert's kick to yeah, touch. Incredible. He sliced yeah. the kick backwards mm. touch yeah. in his own half. I was yep. like, you know, when you see something, you're like, wait, what? And then you're waiting for the replay. And it's like Donald yeah, it he said, he said that he just it, hit, it, it the he hit the oh, sky cat. He thought it had hit the sky cat, bounced backwards. Yeah, and yeah. I was
5: like, well, that would be a reason because I mean, I, I, I'm sure Donald, but but of like. Might Period of notes for half a second and then he sees the ball going in yeah, behind. Yeah, no, I think it's it was like, just a slice. No, it definitely was yeah, a slice. Yeah. But it was like, yeah, you were looking for like something mm. totally bizarre to have caused the ball to go out at that like ridiculous just, angle.
4: Just the pressure of, a, just nerves. of their World Cup dream falling apart and yeah. they didn't really get the rub of the green. I no. mean, there are ways and means of kind of pushing the host nation closer to a World oh, got, What you got, are, you got, are you talking like, about? World Rugby have had, have had a bit of stick, you know, they get... There's plenty of, of sticks with which to beat them but they haven't made France's path any easier than it no. could have been. Um, because I actually
2: think the ref was overly aware of the idea of being biased against the home team yeah. and went a little bit the it other went way. Went too far the other way? Yep.
5: Wow. Jesus. Oh, it was a lot of fun to watch. So. No, like you, on I needed something very special to get me back interested and, uh,
4: and emotionally invested in this uh, yeah. World Cup. And I
2: had ploughed all my hopes and dreams into France. Yeah, all the the, violence, that, that's the only
4: know. other thing, yeah. yeah I yeah. wanted all that to happen and then France to the beat South yeah. Africa, but unfortunately, it's, yeah. a, it's another blow for the boys in the South.
0: A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: Because there's an incredible gong gone off
5: here. Yeah, my apartment's going to be stacked full, lads. be 10 lads coming over. Uh, for the whole thing. So it's going to be absolutely carnage. It's going to be absolutely carnage. Absolutely carnage. It's going to be absolutely carnage. Absolutely carnage. We stacked full, lads.
4: We're gonna be 10 lads coming absolutely over. carnage. Simon, I don't know what you're doing. Towling off there. Keep that top off and hit that bomb one more time. Alright, today we're performing a post-mortem so extensive that we've got three pathologists on to... <laughs> <laughs> help with the diagnosis here shane are you okay yeah i'm just
6: about okay um saturday wasn't great sunday i think added to it
4: but uh, here we are it's monday yeah we, we truck on the 42s murray Kinsler is on with us this week thanks a million murray for stepping into this one of all episodes good to talk to you
8: you too i i'm definitely not okay yet but i'm ready to dissect this game definitely
4: and Scotty Stevenson, Scotty, Scotty, Scotty. Now you see, this is why we refuse to believe. Because every time we finally allow ourselves to dream big, those dreams are crushed into smithereens. So never, ever try to build up. It's our your fault team for again. making us yeah. believe.
1: Well, listen. There will be no gloating here, gentlemen. There will be no, <laughs> no gloating here. I feel, I feel your pain, all of you, and all of your listeners too.
4: What happened, Shane? Well, I mean, with all the talk of um, you know the work behind the scenes and this being a new team and the unbeaten record we were on, um, we still we still didn't perform to our full capabilities in a World Cup quarterfinal, and we're out again. We still seem to have that—I don't know if it's mental baggage, but certainly some sort of performance anxiety that always seems to crop up at this time of a World Cup. Um, I don't think it's entirely unpredictable that this happened,
6: um, and what we didn't see and we've heard that. You know, the term, you know, choke has been bandied around. We didn't see that. You know, what a choke would be is if Ireland didn't come back into that game after uh, the opening that we saw from New Zealand. If they, you know, they lost that game by, by 30 points. They didn't do that. Or um, if, you know, you're playing a different opposition, you know, an opposition that we should have beaten, or we should, like, I would say, like, you know, maybe you know, um, a Wales or a, a, or a Scotland or an Argentina or any of those, or a Fiji in a quarterfinal. And we didn't. That's, you know, that was, you know, something that we'd be sitting here having a very different conversation. What happened was we came across a New Zealand team that we knew was going to be good. I think they've played the, their best game, certainly of this World Cup and maybe for, for quite a, a while. And um, we didn't deliver quite our best game. And we kind of knew if that was going to happen, was every chance that we'd lose the game, and we only just lost the game.
4: No, I, I take that, but why did that happen? Why did we we knew we had to produce our best game? Why didn't we do it when it mattered most?
6: Well, I think there's two things. One, um, New Zealand didn't allow us, um, you know, an easy street here, and um, we spoke about this through the tournament. Um, teams just don't acquiesce on you know us delivering our game plan. And sometimes it's very difficult and um, uh, you can't, uh, you don't do exactly what you want. And the the, the level of rooking that we saw from New Zealand was, I thought, absolutely first class. Um, that slowed down our ball and we didn't get any turnovers on their ball or hardly at all. And they made it much more difficult. So there were two key elements to the game that they took out. And. Um, um, I, think, I do think we, we kind of got done tactically on a, on a couple of occasions. We didn't have a proper sweeper in. Um, so they exploited early on that chip over the top, which, you know, we identified. We knew that it was going to be an issue. Uh, we got done off the line out. Just, you know, uh, I'm not entirely certain... Um, what the uh, you know what system they were in place but or, or who was meant to fill what role i i think it's probably a finley Beelam issue but you know i'm not I'm not it's not 100 percent confirmed how they defend that but however they defended it, it it didn't work so it got done on a, a what i would say is a sort of joe Schmidt probably trick play um and then um our inability to to if there was one thing that disappointed me it was our um our set phase our line out didn't deliver it was a, it's been an issue for a little while now and we made a number of errors and that like, you just can't make we got away with it against South africa we can't we didn't get away with it against new zealand and then i thought um we didn't get our sequencing of our traditional sort of rolling play uh, working at all i i i thought we were a little bit passive um we took a little bit off and that's often the case or sometimes the case with ireland when we're playing the top top teams um but it didn't look as threatening as it has done before and we were a little bit constricted we're a little bit limited on a game plan and we paid for it.
4: Murray anything to add to that list?
8: The coaching aspect is a really important factor here for me I think the All Blacks coaches did a wonderful job on this game they were so well prepared for what was coming from Ireland and even example in the the first quarter is Sam Kane absolutely chopping down Caelan Doris and exposing him for a turnover from Artie Savea on a play that Ireland have used before and that the Kiwis had clearly detailed the the four-man line-out that Shane mentions is a really interesting one we're not sure what happened there and I actually don't think Ireland were 100% sure what exact roles they were supposed to fill in that instance New Zealand have only played a four-man attacking line-out once in the last year and then they pull it out against Ireland and put them in a position they'd they clearly weren't comfortable in and they score a a 60 metre first phase line out try. That's not something that happens in in World Cup quarterfinals. And they managed to shut down lots of, of the Irish strengths. Ireland still managed seven line breaks in the game and and when they got the ball into the 15 metre channels they made lots of gains and, and lots of progress there but New Zealand didn't allow them through the, the middle of their defence they were really solid around the ruck they were very narrow as a result but that's actually something that I, they accepted they were they were willing to allow Ireland to have those 15 metre channels so I think it was a real triumph for, for Ian Foster a guy who's taking a lot of heat and also for his assistance Joe Schmidt's fingerprints were all over it but so were Greg Feeks and Jason Ryans the, the set piece was absolutely crisp for, for the All Blacks. They nailed their line outs 100% and they absolutely nailed the scrum battle. There were a couple of decisions there that could have gone either way. The first one in particular, but the Kiwis managed to paint the right picture and they managed to show the wrong picture of Ireland. The one that, that has Andrew Porter on an angle that referees have been picking up. So while the Kiwi players were truly immense and, and Sam Kane was a great example of that, I, I think it was maybe his best performance ever and and he is not deserved the heat that's come his way over the years. It it was a real answer from him, but also from from a coaching ticket who had probably gone a little bit underrated as well. I'm probably guilty of that, but they absolutely nailed their plan.
4: Scotty, we had Justin Marshall on the show last week and he spent pretty much the entire podcast talking about the doubts he had about this New Zealand team and almost setting it up as though they were going to get, get well beaten but when it came to the prediction he couldn't bring himself to do that he predicted New Zealand would win there was something mm-hmm. in there in his psyche that said we'll still find a way did you
2: think from yeah. Sorry, beyond, Shane in fairness who's on the line here yeah. had the same thing where you were sort of like all these amazing things are going for Ireland coaching our phase attack all these elements that should go right and yet you felt that New Zealand creativity natural talent would probably make them slight favourites to win
6: well, just before Scotty picks up on it, my point—I'm sort of not gloating here—but my point was Ireland. For Ireland to work, the systematic approach they have means that a lot of stuff has to work for a long period. Where New Zealand, and we—I think we saw this—but listen, they—they they had a great overall game as well. But what New Zealand can do is they can—they um, get massively rewarded for minimum effort. And, you know, that's what we saw with the line-out, right? That line-out was a really well-constructed move, you know, put doubts in the Ireland defence or something that they hadn't considered. But then they, they finished it. So they make the break and they finish it. And there's not a huge amount of energy expended from that. And actually that try and the period leading up to it was the game in a microcosm because actually Ireland had a great bit of play if you remember in the lead up to that so they went down the short side twice it was beautiful handling well I, I dare say sort of you sort of New Zealand-esque handling down the short side twice they made big yardage I think it was from our own 22 very close up to the New Zealand 22 or into it and then they they um, after probing down the short side twice they came open side once and um surveyor got in on the ball and he had an incredible influence on the game and actually everything um that new zealand do he influences he got in it was a turnover so all that hard work that had taken Ireland quite a long time to get up to that point for no reward new zealand turned the ball over they got a line out they um made the break on first phase and two passes later it was done it was a try and and that's what i was afraid of before the game and that's what panned out.
4: They were so physical, Scotty, right out the gate, New Zealand. And it's something that we don't always, when we're yeah. thinking about South Africa, we all, that's always a, the main part of the build up. It's not really that way with New Zealand. And yet when they want to be, they can do that to teams as well. I thought that was quite notable. So I did just want to ask you, did you feel from quite early on, New Zealand have turned up in a way here that they haven't done for quite a while?
1: There was certainly a gut feeling that, you know, while Ireland have certainly raised the ceiling in terms of their own performance, I just felt that maybe there wasn't a lot more room to go for them and that the All Blacks were capable of jumping in that glass elevator that we've come to expect them to have and to break through that ceiling in this match. It was a four-point win. I mean, it's we're not talking about a boil over here or rolling over the top of Ireland. But in the key details in the game, I think New Zealand largely won every element. Uh, the the one thing I would say is that you know Sam Kane's performance was perhaps his most prodigious in an all-black jersey, and much was made in the build-up to this test about Peter Omani's comments yes. uh, to Sam Kane in uh, 2022. Um, you're a poor man's Richie McCaw. Um, you know, fair enough. All's fair did, in Did, did he, war. he say that to him? Omani,
4: Omani said that to, on the pitch to Sam yeah. Kane, was it? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was. And, you know, and I, I thought, you know, sometimes in, in sport and life, our comments come back to hurt us and or at least to haunt us. And, and I thought that, that as much as Sam Kane had a blinder, uh, that was about as invisible as I've ever seen Peter Omani in a game mm. of test match rugby in this island side. Um, I thought his influence in the game was negated by All Black's loose forwards. Um, and you know by and large i think they won all those key battles and murray made an amazing point before about the all Blacks owning in the middle of the park that's irish stronghold that is irish turf you know that 40 meters in the middle of the field um is theirs they own that they funnel play into that zone they gather on mass they make turnovers shane mentioned it before they weren't able to make turnovers in this game because the likes of Sam Kane were always on the shoulder. I mean, his attacking ruck work in that game, 21 tackles in the game defensively, but his attacking ruck work, cleaning out defenders, making sure that there was quick ball for Aaron Smith to work with, was supreme. And, and if you're a kid wanting to play open side flanker in the style of Sam Kane or in the style of, of All Black rugby, he, he put on a masterclass in that department, I felt. And so while the All Blacks gave Ireland a lot of space on the outside, uh, they allowed Ireland to play that way because they wanted to funnel them out of those favoured
8: channels. And Ireland, they played into the All Blacks' hands at times around that breakdown in particular. I think of the Josh van der Fleer moment where he's turned over just off a, a kind of 21 pattern where they play in field twice and then they bounce back to left-hand side. And Bundiak, he's actually running away from Josh van der Fleer to get set up wherever he's thinking he's going. Tyke Furlong is screaming at people to get around the corner so he thinks they're supposed to go that way. Johnny Sexton is swinging out the back. This is third phase of a planned line-out attack, and-, and already Ireland have lost their-, their structure there. And it's easy pickings for the All Blacks. Shannon Frizzell, he chops Van der Fleer down, and Sam Kane gets one of the, the easier turnovers of, of his career. It-, it was a microcosm of the All Blacks' back row Largely dominating the Irish back row, but also it was really jarring that Ireland gave up an opportunity like that. And we should mention, 13-0 after 20 minutes in a World Cup quarter final That's nightmare territory. And a lot of that is is going to be the big regrets for Ireland. What if? What if Hugo Keenan's offload to, to James Lowe in the left corner had gone to hand? What if they hadn't given up an easy penalty 19 seconds into the game where Porter is clearly off his feet and can't resist playing the ball? and And they they allowed the, the All Blacks to piggyback up the pitch and, and the All Blacks deserve credit for that. But I thought it was quite jarring that Ireland had that start. And and what you mentioned, Owen, around the quarter final, and, and they did come back into the game and they, they maintained belief, but it was a really shaky start and, and it left Ireland chasing their tails for the entire game. They never got ahead.
6: And they never capitalised on any potential fragility that existed uh, with New Zealand. Um I thought from from the opening kickoff. Aside from a little, a couple of flops in the, in the first two minutes, I think there was a ball on the ground and a couple of poor kicks. After that, largely New Zealand looked very comfortable. You have to say that, and um, I think there was definitely a respect for Ireland there in the way they prepared for this game. And Murray, you you mentioned it. You know they're bringing out the uh, a four man play for the first time in a couple of years. Um, the uh, aggression and speed that they showed at rook time f- almost from the first rook um i think again is, was is an elevated level of play even if you remember the first five ten minutes and uh, where they start, i thought they were, they were setting out their stall to go we're going to bully ireland so they were picking going around the edges and they did you know they made really strong progress and um, so all those elements and you know I, I'm sure there were lots of motivating factors and, um, you know, uh, Peter O'Mahony's were one, but the fact that Ireland are, are world number ones without ever getting to a, a semi-final of a World Cup is another. The pressure that's been on New Zealand just to deliver in a quarter-final and not go out, you know, it's almost, inc- you know, it, it's, it's preposterous for them to, to go out of a quarter-final of a World Cup, unacceptable almost. Um, and then you get maybe the, um, the defeat against South Africa. All these elements, I think, bubbled up to really um to focus New Zealand performance and where they might at some point in the game have transferred from a positive which they undoubtedly were into a negative where they start questioning what they're doing and and the fact that they may be going out of the, of a world cup after a, a you know not a great couple of years against an Irish team that traditionally they've always beaten um you know we never got to the point of pressure for that to really transfer over and you know yes Ireland had the moment after the line-out mall where they were held up remarkably by Barrett um but i thought that uh, you know that was their one moment ireland new zealand never really looked like crumbling and in honesty even with those you know said that that phase sequence at the end of the game i know there was a, i've seen a couple of corners were were there for ireland but new zealand looked pretty comfortable and and i didn't feel ireland were going to score at that point
2: murray did you think ireland lacked patience in attack There's quite a few moments where I felt like, say the kick to corner early on instead of taking the three points, that Keenan pass wide to low, just going wide so early felt like the wrong option to me. There wasn't space there. The mall that was held up, as Shane mentioned there, that Keller broke away. I felt we had them on toast at that stage. And even during the yellows, I felt like we chased it too hard instead of holding on to possession and drawing more out of them. Instead, it was us giving away the penalties. I felt like we didn't just sort of back ourselves to hold on to a little bit longer than we could have.
8: There was a little over urgency there. I think of another one where Hugo Keenan offloads and it's low and Sexton kind of grubbers it ahead and it was a little bit uncharacteristic that early in the possession. There were other times where they did hold on to the ball and they did great damage. And we are still talking, it's worth reiterating, about incredibly fine margins. Mac Hansen cross-kicking to, to Dan Sheehan. If Dan Sheehan goes a tiny bit earlier there, he probably catches that ball on the hop. The The Keller example... He probably scores that nine times out of ten, I think. It was an absolutely phenomenal bit of play from Jordy Barrett, who was another one who went to a, a ten out of ten level in this game. He had so many, so many big moments. And that's probably the bit that stands out to me. Ireland, yeah, they could have been more patient, but I think a lot of those players will feel I actually didn't get to a, a peak in a game where a, a lot of the all-black skies really, really did. Um, and we're, we're talking about a tiny couple of differential points in a game that Ireland very much could have could have won but they just dipped a little bit at a time when that wasn't uh, wasn't going to get you over the line
6: and it's it, in some ways i'm saying it's a positive but um we saw against south africa and we've seen a number of times through this winning sequence with ireland that they haven't played at their maximum and they've managed to get results and you think of the autumn you know, they weren't all, you know, perfect uh, games by any manner of means. And, you know, even the game against England in the Grand, Sandus, Grand Slam decider, I know there was a lot of pressure on that game, but it wasn't Ireland delivering their sort of maximal performance. And, you know, it's, it's good and it's bad in that, you know, Ireland were close enough to win that game being a little bit off and I think New Zealand were very close to you know to their capacity I think there's probably still a bit more but they weren't a million miles off it so um and maybe in in order to win a world cup or maybe even in order to get out of a you know a quarter final you need to be able to get over a big team by being slightly off now I think you probably need to deliver a at somewhere along the uh, along the way you have to deliver one of your best performances or not far off what you're what you're completely capable of um, and and you know m- maybe that was what we saw on the Sunday, and even then
4: it mightn't be enough.
6: Are we but ever going to
4: do it though, Shane? Are we ever honestly? Are we ever going to get past a quarterfinal of the world? Listen,
6: Cup? I think un- under any other circumstances this year we would have. Do you know? And if you look at the teams on the other side of the draw that are you know on um, that are that are in the World Cup semi-finals, you know Ireland are better than those teams. I, I just think they are. Like we'll never know, really, <laughs> but um, I think they are. And I think that, um, you know, if we got into a semi-final, we'd be into a final. I'm, I'm fairly um, convinced of that. And I think that the two semi-finals will be blowouts. And whatever about, you know, feeling hard done bo- um, for, um, for, um uh, you know, as an Irish person, uh, you know, I think it was an incredible game last night. But um, I think having, not having France in the last two weeks of the, you know, of the tournament is 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 a missed opportunity for rugby as well, and um, you know, taking away the fairness of the draw, and we we all know that like the draw was when it was, and you know, I think for the tournament it would be better to have you know certainly France in those in those last two weeks. So I think that was something that will be looked at. Um, will we ever get in, into one? Um, Owen, I think um, you know if we, as I said, if we were not maybe you know meeting the All Blacks in the quarter final. Um, or you know maybe one of the the, uh, the top top teams i think we'd be there and i said it on on friday uh, sorry i said it on saturday night that i thought this was a massive monkey on ireland's back but if they got it off i think that they would
4: have been in very that, good that's shape that's my point though um, it's still it's still there trying so to, to come this. back in here yeah no, no, it is it, 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 and it is still actually, there and, and it's more now i know you can we can talk every year you, you know you start when the results are rolling you start hearing all about the amazing work gary Keegan does behind the scenes and all these sort of things I'm not going to lay it all now on Gary Keegan that we didn't win, but the anxiety still seems to be there, and I don't see how that doesn't increase next time. So even if you do get out of your pool and you do get a Wales or an Argentina, it's still going to be that World Cup quarterfinal issue. I've a that, slightly
1: different perspective yeah. on on this. Not not, Irish not if you try part. to
4: make us feel better, because I want to wallow for a few more days. I don't, I don't need any of your <laughs> p- positivity, Scotty. So go on. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, it, this is what, what's interesting for me is I think Irish teams in the past have have felt the weight of that history of quarterfinal exit i think this irish team was a victim and and hubris is maybe too strong a word i think this irish team had so much belief in its game plan Hmm. that it was absolutely incapable of shifting it in the game and that's what i mean about when we wrote about the zombie apocalypse about Patton rugby um you know this irish side has won and you have to give enormous credit to andy farrell and his coaching staff for drilling the team so competently, for making them believe in a game plan, for structuring a game plan that the players all understand so inherently well. Uh, But rugby is also a game where spontaneity plays a part, where the ability to change very rapidly, on the instant, in the moment, is still one of the most sought after skills. You have to be able to create those plays. Shane and, and Murray have both talked about this, The All Blacks creating 1st phase tries, tries out of nothing. Johnny Sexton mentioned it as well. He said, we had to work so incredibly hard for our points, and yet the All Blacks seem to score those those crucial tries uh, almost without trying. Um, That comes down to creativity, to spontaneity, to seeing the moment, to reading a moment, to being able to play in the moment. And this Irish team, to me, looked like it was constantly and repetitively getting into a position where they had trained for. And that was our issue four years ago.
4: What's amazing about this is that was supposed to be, you know, Andy Farrell's come in and the shackles have come off and we can now play heads up rugby and all these things. So it's amazing that it comes back to the issue of being over-programmed again on the biggest day.
1: I think they are. And I, and I think this is this is one of the issues, you know, and the, and the Northern Hemisphere is going to have a post-mortem here, isn't it? Because, you yeah. know, we are in, still in a, a strange and, I think, rather anachronistic hemispherical battle about the game <laughs> and about the skill levels of our players and the athletic ability of our players. But I do think that when you see a team over-programmed, and I would give one one exclusion to the rule would be South Africa, um, because they're not human beings; they are robots. Um, <laughs> but look, I, I just look. There's so much skill level in that iron sight, and you would love to see it. And, and you know, the 37 phases gets talked about. 37 phases in a game of test match rugby with the game on the line. 37 phases with Johnny yeah. Sexton. You know, play. He's playing. He's shooting. The he's playing the game. He's 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 calling the game. That was the moment where you think, right, of all the programming and all these things that you've learned, and now the panic set in once again. And, and it, just to me, it was like, where is the where is the spark plug in this moment? Where is that one play that you've kept up your sleeve, that you've thought about, that you've you've read 81 minutes of Rugby Union out here? Where was that one play?
6: Sorry, I'm keen to hear, um, uh, Murray, what, what you think about this, but the point that you made on the... Uh, Van der Fleer getting isolated, right? That w- that stood out like like a sore thumb. And I think that more so was the issue. So Ireland fell out of pattern, right? They didn't react to falling out of pattern to get back into pattern. So Scotty, I kind of disagree with you, right? That I, 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 where where you say, no, Ireland are too structured. This is the thing about the way Ireland play. And they are different, right, The New Zealand. They're not the same. They don't play in the same way. Irish rugby is doesn't play the way. We are more structured. But the counterintuitive thing is the more we're structured, the more we get our structure right. Because of, of that structure, there are so many options. And you can actually choose the right options. That actually means that you are a very progressive side and that you are sort of seeing and playing what's in front of you. But I thought the problem was that, one, we didn't react to... And falling out of the pattern to get back in to allow us to do our thing then we we were inhibited in the way we delivered that pattern because we were much more passive and you're right scotty you know there was a lot of shoveling ball that pattern or nor any pattern doesn't work if you're just shoveling the ball to the man next to you sexto i thought was not as attacking the line as we normally see i thought he took a lot of balls where he's stationary and 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 he moved on and that's when i that's what i mean when i say they're inhibited in the in their play because they didn't take it to the New Zealand. But, honestly, doesn't
1: that prove that? But doesn't that actually prove the point? You know, you're falling out of pattern, and all of a sudden they don't know what to do. Um, uh, I, I, you... I, I I hear your point, and and I agree, and and geez, mate, if anyone was going to disagree with me, mate, I'd I'd be glad it was you. <laughs> you've been there, done you've been there and done that. But you know, to me, that proves the point. The All Blacks, you know, said to Ireland, yeah, go, go do this, go do this, go do something that you're not used to doing. We'll mm. cover you. And then it felt like, to me, that was the sucker punch that people have talked about this week. The rope of dope. You know, where you go then. Go do that, because we know that's not what you like doing.
8: I have a slightly different slant on it, on it again. When you've won 17 games in a row, and as Shane mentions, they didn't play well in all those games, but they, they won. And they won doing it their way. Their way exactly. By focusing inherently on themselves. And they've been almost boastful about, we don't really look at the opposition all that much. But I think... At that level of rugby, you you have to have a certain level of tailoring for what is opposite you and the weaknesses that are apparent to you in that. And the All Blacks in this game did that extremely well. They were very precise in how they wanted to negate Ireland's strengths, but also pick out a few weaknesses they found, i.e. the chip kicks is a great example. We've got this brilliant attacking strength. We've seen this little bit of space in Ireland's backfield. Uh, in between the two defenders in the backfield let's go after it and I never there was never really a moment in this game where I felt oh wow Ireland discussed the All Blacks in this specific facet of the game and they've come up with a plan for for exposing that they just Kept doing what they've been doing, and many times, as I say, it worked when they made That's a pretty damning
4: breaks. indictment when you're playing a team as good as New Zealand that you're not making specific plans for them. Murray,
8: there's little bits and pieces, of course, there is, and and they look at lineouts and they look at all, all that, but they've been very, very uh, steadfast in saying we're we're about ourselves, and and that's what's worked, and it nearly worked again in this game. And actually, like I'll put my hand up, I I viewed that as a strength of this Irish team over the last number of of weeks and months that that they were so focused on what they do.
1: Look, while we're here and while we're talking about this team, 17 straight victories, You know, you know that's the equal of of any team in the world. Only two teams have ever gone one better than mm. Ireland. It has been a phenomenal era of Irish rugby. Um, and whether you believe in the system, whether you believe in the patterns this Irish team plays, they've been effective, they've been winning rugby games, uh, and they've united that nation. And they deserve full credit for that. You know, and the problem is when you get to these quarterfinals, and it's a zero-sum bet. Yeah, you know, when you go all in, you know, you you stand to lose everything, and and that is what happened in this match. Uh, we we could go down into the minutiae of the game, into every key statistic. Um, ultimately, though, for me, and and this is just my point of view, I, I just go back to something I said earlier, which is I just felt this All Black team, which has operated well below its expected levels for some time had that extra room for improvement. They certainly had the motivation to come out and get one back over Ireland, a team that has been their their demon, let's be honest, um, since 2016. Uh, It is one of the great modern rivalries. And above all else, Ireland played its part in, I think, one of the most fantastic test matches I have ever had the pleasure of watching. And there will be hurt and there will be a post mortem, and there will be a review and there will be anger among some fans and, and frustration and disappointment among some players. But that was a spectacle. And it was a spectacle for the ages. And those 23 men in green certainly played their part in that show.
2: Murray, just a, a couple of things. After 2019 World Cup, we would an awful lot to work on. We'd lost to Japan, hammered by New Zealand. Uh, we knew we were in too much of a straitjacket. But then if you were to look at this game, there was a few things that reminded me of Ireland of World Cup's past, like Mwanga finding a gap and running straight through, the Doris drop, Sexton's chip kick over late on, even Sexton missing a penalty that he would normally get. Just a few little gremlins still in the system there. But in terms of sort of moving on from this, and our structured phase play, and Ian Foster calling it a copy and paste type attack, and we were quite comfortable in those final thirty-five phases. What do you think is the biggest learning, or what do we, how do we move away from this and improve?
8: Well, it's a new, it's a new era, as Andy Farrell said, and that's the biggest challenge in terms of what you're referring to. There is who those key personnel are, are going to be, and maybe Jack Crowley's been one of the low-key success stories in in playing a role against South Africa and against Scotland, and then not getting his chance, obviously. Last weekend, Keith Earl's moving on, a real spiritual leader in the group. So those those holes, first of all and, and foremost, need to be plugged. And I think there has to be a a willingness to to recognise that maybe a a tweak system or a slightly different approach is, is what works best, that what this team thrive with. And I, I, I really do think they thrive with it. And I th- I think this four-year cycle has been a major success. It started ropefully for Andy Farrell and, and it looked really poor early on, but It came good in in an amazing way. And I know you're drawing the comparisons there, but I actually see this quarterfinal exit as very different to the others. As Scotty just said, it's one of the all-time games. That Irish performance would have been enough to beat most other sides in a quarterfinal and, and advance on. I think this team really made themselves genuinely believe and they made the nation believe. And that's a powerful thing. And it's not a consolation now for this team, but the fact that it wasn't a in my opinion, a choke or a bottle job or bad calls against them. It was just a narrow margin against another brilliant team who played 10 out of 10. I actually think that does give value. And I think it, it doesn't clearly doesn't break the cycle, but I think it, it it's a big step in the right direction. The shame is we have to wait another four years, but I think Andy Farrell has shown enough, uh, Simon, to answer your question to, to suggest that he's probably willing to, to change it as well. And, and, develop and grow with the next group and there's excitement in that even you see Joe McCarty coming off the bench and adding energy and Jimmy O'Brien what what a World Cup debut he had off the bench really outstanding Crowley took his chances when he got got them in, in the World Cup and and they were doubts before but I think all the players including Johnny Sexton mentioned it, there's more talent coming through and the bit that gives me confidence that they're eventually going to break that quarter final cycle is now we have this incredible base in irish rugby that is and should still be the envy of many other nations and that's our starting point for the next one yeah we got to wait four years but we're starting from a really good place our 20s have just been to a world cup final the provinces are really well coached and those things in the disappointment clearly get forgotten right now but i'd have great optimism around that
6: i i think i i think um actually just on, on Jimmy O'Brien I thought he was brilliant I, I thought Max Hansen was carrying a, a knock um I think you could I just don't think he was 100% um and actually I, I was concerned at one point that Sexton was carrying a knock actually because he just didn't seem to be taking the ball quite flat but you know maybe that will come out in the wash but um you know the Ireland system um is at the moment works for Ireland and it's certainly not a kind of a um, tear up the piece of paper and, and start again. It's a build on what Ireland are doing. And what's brilliant about this World Cup is that we're seeing loads of different styles that are quite different. And, and you know, New Zealand are unique to New Zealand. And I think they're, you know, the style that they play um is is focused on their individual skill levels and and uh, sort of athletic levels and and the type of play rugby that they play uh, week in week out um in New Zealand with with super rugby and um the rugby championship South Africa are something different entirely um and we've seen that Fiji are something different entirely I think you know Scotland again they play in another type of rugby that's really progressive but not really comparable to anybody else um you know England will come up with a style at some point over the next 4 years that is um, I think uh, unique to them and, and and we know you know Wales traditionally over the years have had different types of game plans that would be very um, Welsh like so now you're looking at these you know all these different teams and, and of course France are kind of you know I think you know a beautiful mixture of, of, of everything almost um, and so unfortunate they're out so um, you know, there is no um, specific um, way of playing that you would go, I'm going to take the New Zealand style or the Australian style or any other style. That was something that I think Ireland teams and other maybe Northern Hemisphere teams looked at in the past. What we're seeing now is you know, the different nations looking at their own resources, looking at their style of play and looking at their, their uh, national competitions and going, this is what's best for us. And this is what we think we can maximise our performance. Because I think if Ireland tried to play uh, the way uh, New Zealand did, they'd be a really a, a poor second. Yeah, to, we don't to have to an out-half th- who
2: can run through a gap and, and then put no, away Will we, well, Jordan. that's
6: not yeah. it. And I think then if we tried to play South Africa, we don't have the bulk to do it. So I think we've found a system that is is good for us and maybe good for the Irish psyche. But we have to certainly develop it. We have to address those issues that we saw um, in the New Zealand game and now all of a sudden we do have to uh, address um, you know a couple of, of people retiring that are significant and, and Sexton is the biggest one you know I, I know that's blindingly obvious Um, but you're right um, Murray I thought um, you know Jack Crowley has had a fantastic competition and a fan you know with kind of a, an incredible last 12 months Um, but we don't know yet whether he's he's the answer here, I think the good news is I think there's a few other people that are starting to emerge or will do over the next you know few years um, to to put pressure on that spot as well. But um, you know he certainly got first crack at it, and he will be key to evolving. And and I think uh, Andy Farrell has shown that he is able to evolve Ireland. And he had a very dodgy first couple of years, and even that the difference between you know his first good year and say some of the play that we saw against um, Scotland and I know it's Scotland but you know those tries that were scored off first phase, where the offloads were being done that was you know that's a big evolution of, of what Ireland were doing Ireland were playing the systematic game but we weren't throwing the passes on the offloads we're doing that now or we ha- we were doing it at different times in this competition so um, you know as long as he retains a willingness to uh, evolve the game plan based on this very very strong platform you know, you know, Ireland have capacity to, to you know, perform as well as they have in the last two years.
4: Yeah, I'm sure Scotland will have a lot of sympathy for Peter O'Mahony and his <laughs> sledging of Sam Kane backfiring so spectacularly this week. What about South Africa against France, Murray? Um, I mean, Ireland, New Zealand, Scotty described it as one of the best test matches he's ever seen, but I would say it wasn't even the best test match of the weekend. That was just extraordinary stuff last night.
8: The first half in particular, honestly, watching it live, it felt like it was in double speed. It was happening so, so quickly. The pace of both teams is absolutely astonishing. The atmosphere and energy in the stadium, it really revived me at a time that I badly needed it. And I I give massive credit to the Springboks for, for coming through this. When it's big boy rugby time, they invariably have a big boy plan, and that's what they had. And one thing that's missed with South African rugby, and you're, you're bang on, Shane, Dave, bulk they have size but we're actually often overlooking the sheer intellect and innovation they bring because it's not it's not the same innovation that we like it's innovation with their bench it's innovation with their kicking game it's innovation in how they use different personnel at different times you're you're hauling your captain off early in the second half to bring on a hooker slash back row because you feel it's right for that circumstance in the game you're starting your exciting attacking out half because you feel like you're controlling, place-kicking out half is better suited to finish the game out. And I I think that's something that the, the South Africans aren't given enough credit for. They're real rugby intellects as well as being absolute monsters and, and loving running over the top yeah, at, at times. So it, again, another game where you felt so sorry for France and the scenes of devastation and it's really tough to see them out in a quarter-final. It's not good for the competition either given the, the hosting. But I, I think South Africa just about deserve to win what was another another genuine epic.
2: Yeah, Scotty, I felt watching this that when the game is played at this level, it's better than it's ever been. It's more entertaining than it's ever been.
1: Oh look! I mean, I, first of all, I'm going to check my passwords because I think Murray's been reading my column this week. Uh, that's exactly <laughs> my thoughts on that South African game. <laughs>
2: Sorry.
1: Um, but Murray and I go back a wee ways in terms of chatting about footy, and he's he's got a very astute mind, and uh, everything he has just said, you know, I thought about. I was actually commentating the game for a radio station here in New Zealand, and I, you know, I looked up, and then 20 minutes had gone, and I thought two had. It was the most extraordinary start to a test match. Um, and there are not, you know, it's not too dissimilar to Ireland here. Uh, France just got themselves on the back foot and found a team that just understood the extra percentages required to win at this kind of level. Uh, Andre Pollard on the bench. Dion Ferre getting subbed on for Sia Khaleesi. Have you ever heard such nonsense in your life and they still win? <laughs> Eben Etzebeth was colossal. Egeus Naiman would have to be the most scary human in all of the game. Qu- Quaker Smith was phenomenal in the game. I, I think the one low light for me, I, I, I believe that the HIA uh, rest for Peter Steph dutoy was, was a rort. I think that's a ploy. Uh, and for Muellen, it had a rest and came back into the game. And I wouldn't put that past Russi Rasmus. Uh, he thinks very cleverly about bench strategies and, and the way he plays the game. Uh, and I'm sure the officials will look at whether Peter Steph dutoy actually required an HIA at all, or if that was just another... Uh, crazy, Rusty Erasmus moment. Sounds like an Um, impossible one to
4: prove, though, one way or the other.
1: Well, look, of course it is, and and he knows that um, because he's clever. Um, but his players know he's clever, and they buy into what he does, and that's what makes him a very good tournament team under Russie Russman, because it doesn't matter how much crazy he brings into the big top, they're going to go and, and they're going to jump through the hoops for him. The, the, the one other thing in that game, the Willemson mark calling for the scrum. Oh, yeah. I don't know how many test matches I've watched in my life. In fact, I don't know how many first-class games of rugby I've called in my life. I've never seen that ever, <laughs> ever. And, you know, it's moments like that in a quarter final that you might not think much about them. The Cheslin-Colby charge down, that's the difference. The Geordie Barrett holding up of Kelleher. that's the difference. The intercept try for Argentina, Befeli was at Sanchez, that's the difference. You know, we're talking about a group of quarterfinals, four games, and the aggregate differential was 23 points. You know, that's less than a converted try game. It was insane. And so when you look at those moments in that South Africa-France game and you think about just the uh, almost uh, Machiavellian cleverness from the South Africans, that is their strength in the game. They're not only massive Calvinistic Dutchmen, they're also uh, super, super smart about how they read officials, about how they read the game, and about how they manage their bench to make sure that the team they need to finish the game is on the field when it's the finish of the game. And that's exactly what they did. De Klerk, Pollard, LaRue, all in the game at the same time at the end of the match. Super, super smart coaching.
6: But but more than just sport, that game felt like theatre. And and there was also a sort of inevitability um, around around the end result. Um, just because, again, how, how um, maybe sophisticated France had to be in, in scoring their tries, whereby... And, you know you felt at the periods they should be home and hosed because they were just totally dominant but you knew that South Africa weren't letting them away and if that was just because of a, a kick and sometimes not a great kick but a great kick chase or a poorly um received kick from France and all of a sudden they were they were back in and they were always hanging in there and you know the the thing that flashed through my mind um when that Colby charge down happened was you know this is Chekhov's gun isn't it like this is scene one this is going to come back. There's a reason why that happened, and it's because it's going to be a one-point game at the end somewhere else, and and, and you know that just um, you know it um, uh, you know encouraged the idea that this was going all the way to the end, and there was another moment that that really hit home for me, um, and it, it it's it's why. You know, South Africa are so sort of difficult to beat, and the challenge that they pose seems like um, w- one that nobody else provides. Is um, when they uh, made originally made those um, um, changes. Um, I think it was around the fifty-minute mark. I think there was a scrum, and anyway, France were deep in their twenty-two, and um, they were playing. They had a penalty advantage, but I think there were possibly even a man down at the time, and there was a concern that they would, you know, they would get a a, a try the South Africans defended that uh, period with a, a a franticness and a um uh, and a i suppose i don't know what even what the term is it was completely frank sort of a, a mindlessness. Uh, They put so much into it, like absolutely zero respect for their bodies, sprinting off the line and driving uh, France back. It was sort of a controlled aggression level or barely controlled aggression level that actually no other team in this competition or potentially any other team in the history of rugby could deliver. And...
1: Um, psychopathy but, i think is the word you're yeah
6: looking. it's yeah you no, you're not wrong you are not wrong and and you know I've, my words fail me after a, a busy <laughs> weekend of rugby but you but you're right that's that's what it felt like and however there's a combination of two things here the physical uh fortitude to be able to do that um but the mental um conditioning Um, by Erasmus and his uh, team to to ensure that they deliver that is out of this world and that level of intensity in defence, there's nobody to touch it, actually. No other team in the world to touch it when they're operating at that level.
4: All right, just before we go, is anyone on this call ready to put their neck on the line and give England a chance of winning this World Cup? Don't shout too loudly, guys. Anybody?
1: What kind of question is that on an Irish podcast?
4: Oh, they're in the semis and we aren't. They're flying the that's Northern Hemisphere
1: very... flag, Scotty, as we've been saying. Oh, do you know, do you know that's, that's a very limited side at the moment? I, I think England have got some, again, you know, they've got room to improve. I'm not entirely sure they're going to be able to make the the necessary adjustments uh, before they come up against that box side. And, you know, the, the one thing about the box, and Shane's alluded to this, you know, the, the, the deep set belief in what they do. Uh, the deep-set trust in their coaching staff. And, and you know, it, it almost feels like a, a sort of holy mission for the Springboks. That's how they plan yeah. these tournaments. That's how they go about their business. Um, it feels like a divine right to these guys. Um, and unfortunately for England, you know, having battled through um, and certainly against the Fijian side this weekend, who, you know, could have easily won that game, quite frankly, had they been just a little bit more organized and patient um, I, I think they're going to come up against a Springbok side that is uh, damn near obsessional about, you know, getting through to a final, uh, and, and I fear for England in this one. I, I think it could be a very, very tough, tough night at the office. Shane, last
6: night, yeah, I, to you. I, there's no particular joy in in this, but um, I think both the semi-finals are going to be blowouts. Yeah. Um and you know my old mate and and coach uh, checks um I think has done remarkably well to get a very very limited Argentinian team into the semi-final. I, I don't think they you know their skill level and even conditioning doesn't look brilliant. Um I think they'll get pumped in the um in the, in the semi and I think mm-hmm. England will too.
4: Okay guys, I'm not feeling any better really about our elimination but uh, thank you for fulfilling your contractual obligations. Thanks Shane, thanks for reading. thanks guys. <laughs> thanks
6: guys. <laughs>
1: There's an, an air of vulnerability that comes off. Why is that? Say more about that. Say more about it. Is that one of your fucking psychotherapist questions? <laughs>
4: Here's a bit of news that might help lift the gloom today. Richie Sadler is starting a brand new podcast this Wednesday called Episode. That's the theme tune right there. Unlike the player's chair, he's not only talking to sports people, he's speaking also to people from all walks of life about major episodes in their lives, starting with an absolutely riveting chat with Tommy Tiernan. There are a few fucking psychotherapy questions as Tommy (laughs) called them there when the two of them are on TV (laughs) together in this one. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's uh, it's sensational stuff. This pod is going to be separate to our second captain's feed. Free to air. Free to everybody. And we'll be giving you a lot more details on that in the next few days. It'll be available on Wednesday wherever you get your podcast. That's the main thing to know for now. And if you can't wait until then for some he's also on the World Service tomorrow after tonight's Ireland Gibraltar game. It's only fair to make him suffer through that appearance tomorrow before <laughs> launching his <laughs> fancy new pod. <laughs> it's, uh, you've got to pay the piper, I'm afraid, Richie. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks, I. Si. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks, Murph. Thank
3: Simon. Simon.
4: Thanks for listening. Don't forget, all episodes are available without any ads if you sign up to the World Service and the Second Cabin's podcast is part of the ACAST Creator.
3: It's
0: the second time it's gone on. They never got home, they never got home, they never got home, those, those, those boys. The
6: second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to the persuade there's a world outside of that. That's why sport's are important.
0: This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it